Well, hey there, and welcome to the Saints Church Glory Hills podcast. We're so happy that you joined us today. Whatever you're doing, wherever you are, we believe that God will speak to you through one of our pastors today. Let's jump in. We will jump right into the Word of God. We're going to start in 1 Peter 3. 1 Peter 3. My name is Brett. I'm the senior pastor here. I'm so glad that you're here with us today, whether you're in the room or you're online with us. We're launching a brand new two-week series as we ramp up towards Easter. That's right, Easter's to uh, just a couple weeks away. Uh, April 8th is when we're doing the egg drop, but we have a Good Friday service at 10.30 a.m. And then our Easter Sunday service, 10.30, and that's going to be prime time to bring somebody who does not yet know Jesus. Uh, But we are just going to take a couple of weeks to talk about the faithfulness of God. Let's look at 1 Peter 3, verse 15. Instead, now, instead of what is the question that we would be asking, instead of fear and worry, it says in the verse before it says, don't worry or be afraid. And this, in this passage in 1 Peter 3, he's actually talking about suffering. He's talking about suffering for doing good, suffering for doing the right thing, suffering for following Jesus. Sometimes we don't talk about the possibility that you could be doing all the right things in all the right places at just the right time and that there is some pushback that comes on your life. That there is a degree of suffering that comes because of the situation and circumstance that you find yourself in. Now, when Jesus came, he says, I'm going to walk with you. He didn't say, I'm going to help you avoid all the difficulties and I'm going to make your life just happy-go-lucky. He says, no, 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 it doesn't matter what you face because I'm going to be with you. I'm going to walk with you. And not only am I going to walk with you, I'm going to lead you, I'm going to guide you, and I'm going to protect you. So it doesn't matter what my circumstances are. It doesn't matter what my situation is. And it doesn't matter what my emotional state is. Jesus is faithful and he is with us at all times. So it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how bad it is. It's about to get better because Jesus is leading us through. If we would surrender our next few steps to him. You say, it's going to get better as long as it goes my way. No, no, no. It's going to get better as long as Jesus is leading you and guiding you in your next step forward. So instead of worry and fear... You must worship Christ as Lord of your life. The implication being, if you're not worshiping, we're all going to worship something, right? We all worship something. So if you're not worshiping Jesus Christ as Lord of your life, if he's not Lord Lord of all, he ain't Lord at all. If we don't worship Jesus as Lord of our lives, he says instead we're doing what? We are worshiping worry and fear. We are putting our faith into what could happen in a negative context instead of putting our eyes on Jesus. So we're going to flip the script. We're going to flip the script. We're going to put Jesus Christ as Lord of our lives. We must worship Jesus as the Lord of our life. And because of doing this, by the way, if someone asks about your Christian hope, always be ready to explain it. Because you're built different. Someone's going to ask you about this hope that you have. 
Because you're walking what to everyone else looks like the valley of the shadow of death and you're not wavering and you're still moving forward, you're still taking one step after one step after one step and you're trusting Jesus, people go, how are you doing that? How are you facing that diagnosis? How are you facing that crisis? How are you facing that loss? So always be ready if somebody asks you about this hope that you have as a follower of Jesus. Always be ready to explain it. Always be ready to explain that I'm built different because I have Jesus. Because I have Jesus. He says, but he gives some instructions on how we do this. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. So when we're talking about this hope we have, it says do this in a gentle and respectful way interesting. You're like, you mean I'm just not supposed to just go out there and hit them with it? Now they're going to ask you about it and just talk about it, but do it in a way that, well, what he says it here, keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. Always be ready to explain this hope that we have. So what is this hope that we have? This hope that we have is a personal relationship with Jesus, who is the creator of the universe, who knit us together in our mother's womb. And no matter what any human decides my worth or value is, in Jesus' eyes, I am worthy and I am valuable. And he gave it all for you and he gave it all for me on the cross. He saw us at our worst, and when most people would walk away, he says, I'm going to lean in and I'm going to carry your shame and your pain and your transgressions. What is this hope that we have that he will never leave us or forsake us? He'll always be there. He'll always guide us. He's always right with us to help us navigate life, even when it doesn't make sense, even if it all goes wrong. He's going to help us walk through What is this Christian hope that we have? That this life is not the end. That we would go on and we will meet our friends and our family on the other side. And we will spend eternity with Jesus, with the new heaven and the new earth. Eternally with Jesus. And the result of somebody who says, I don't want to walk with Jesus in this life is that Jesus honors your decision in this life and it carries on into the next, eternally separated from Jesus. Acts 1.8 says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. This is now the marching orders. These are Jesus' last words before he ascends up into heaven. He's resurrected. He's talking to his disciples. He's like, these are my final instructions for you. Please understand, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Things are going to be different when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And the key word in this verse for us today is witnesses. You will be my witnesses. This word in the original language Greek is martus, which is where we get the word martyr from. So that's exciting. 
That was a joke. It's okay. <laughs> Danny used up all the laughter today, so. But really, there's three levels to this word. You're going to be my witnesses in a legal sense. In a legal sense that establishes the goodness of God. You're going to see things. You're going to see God move. You're going to see him work. You're going to see him accomplish things in your life, in the lives of people around you. You're going to see things. And as you see Jesus do things, you're going to bear witness to that fact. And as you bear witness to that fact, you say, listen, I can tell you I've seen Jesus do things in people's lives. And you are establishing this evidence that says, listen, I have seen too much. I have seen too much goodness. I have seen Jesus do too much for me not to believe. I have seen too much. I have seen him heal the sick. I've seen him bring marriages back together. I've seen Jesus do all kinds of things that you thought were stuck in the pages of Scripture, but we are reminded that Jesus says, these things that you see me do right here, you're going to see even greater things. And we bear witness to the goodness of God here in the land of the living. We bear witness on a legal sense. We bear witness in a historical sense as spectators watching what God is doing. We bear witness to this move of God in this era. We get to be living right now. We get to be in this time right now. You were created for this time, this era, this moment that you could see what Jesus is going to do and bear witness to this is what Jesus is doing on the planet right now. You get to bear witness to a church that's rising, a church that is waking up and saying, Jesus, we're going to follow you with everything. And we are witnesses on an ethical level where we bear witness to the truth of the word of God in spite of what comes our way, in spite of what attacks come our way. And all across the planet, there are people who give their lives simply for standing their wholehearted faith in Jesus Christ. The book of Revelation in the New King James Version, Revelation 12, verse 11 says, And they overcame him, him being the evil one. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. They overcame the evil one by the blood of the lamb, by what Jesus did on the cross, and by the word of their testimony. Now, sometimes if you've been around church for a while, you've heard this verse. And you go, that's really nice. They overcame the evil one by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. Did you ever think about the two things that were paired up with one another? They overcame the evil one by what Jesus did on the cross. Come on, we're going to celebrate that at Easter. That he not only died on the cross, but he's resurrected. But they overcame the evil one by the, what Jesus did on the cross and the power, the word of their testimony. Those two things are bound together. In my Bible, I've circled and and I've underlined it because they're, they're tied together. There is power in your story. It's not your power. It's his power because you're speaking and bearing witness to what he has done in you, through you, and all around you. You have been 
rendered useless by the evil one who's coming to go, I'm going to steal, kill, and destroy. You don't think you got a story. You don't think you've got anything to share. No, 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 no. You don't understand. He's doing that, and he's whispering those things in your ear. He's building this level of insecurity in you about your faith journey because he knows that he was overcome by what? The blood of the lame and the word of their testimony. So you've been thinking, oh man, I got nothing to say. I got nothing to share. I was born in the church. I was born on the pew over there and they saved a seat for my family every Sunday when I wasn't there, which was once. I didn't come to church once. That's my story. That's the standard. Um, (laughs) I mean, you guys are here, so I'm preaching the choir. But we have begun to bought into this lie that uh, Jesus really hasn't done anything in my life. You know, I've just, I've had it good. I've had it pretty good. Too blessed to be stressed, am I right? It's like, what do I even, what do I even, what do I even say? The whisper from the evil one would say that your story is not enough. But Jesus whispers into you and he says, ah, in your story, you see, I'm just getting started. And all things are possible. And I led you and I guided you and I've got more for you, if only you would trust me enough, if only you'd understand the power in the words that I've given you. That's how we overcome the evil one, by the blood of the Lamb, by what Jesus has done, and by the word of our testimony, us declaring what Jesus has done. Because he lives, if we're going to quote a song, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, I have hope. Because he lives, sin has no power. Because he lives, the bonds of addiction have been broken. Because he lives, I have been healed. Because he lives, I have been set free. Because he lives, I find freedom. Because he lives, I find hope. Because he lives, I find life. And I'm not afraid to say it out loud. Because he lives. And on the last part of that verse, he said, and they did not love their lives. They did not love their lives to the death. In the New Living Translation, it clears it up a little bit. And they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. In other words, they didn't care who heard it. They didn't care the consequence. I'm like, pastor, this seems a little wild for us today. Well, the truth is, the only thing that's going to have to die in this season, this situation, most likely in this nation, is your pride. And your insecurity. Because those are the things that are holding us back for declaring that because he lives, I can face tomorrow. So, this week, I, uh, I don't know if anyone's been following all the stuff with AI these days, all the things AI can do. So preparing for my sermon, no, I didn't ask AI to write the sermon. I have a friend who's done that, but I'm not doing that. It was just an experiment. He decided not to preach it. So I think he was thinking about it. Anyway, it doesn't matter. I asked AI this week to create a visualization of the word faithfulness. And I gave it a whole bunch of different parameters. And I just, every, I would just like, I gave it like a whole bunch of different prompts. Are you interested to see in what it came up with? Nothing. 
My request kept timing out, and it said it had a server error, and it kept canceling my request. No matter how I said it, no matter how I wrote it, no matter how I described it, it couldn't create a visualization of the word faithfulness. That's because a visualization of the word faithfulness in this day, in this age, in this era is hard to come by because we live for selfishness, not for faithfulness. So it's hard for it to figure out what to do because everything's about us and how even like chat GPT and AI is meant to make my life easier. So it doesn't understand how to put a selfless visualization together to describe faithfulness and long-suffering and, and just getting through. It doesn't know how to do that. Good thing we already have a visualization of the word faithfulness. This is John verse 114. So the word being Jesus became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. The visualization of faithfulness is Jesus. He is the visual representation of all that is encompassed when we say the word faithful. He says he was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. Unfailing love and faithfulness. Jesus was literally defined by the word faithful. That's who he is. But if we jump back to Exodus 34, you'll actually find that Jesus' traits of unfailing love and faithfulness are family traits passed from his heavenly father. Because in Exodus 34, the Lord passed by Moses in Exodus 34, verse 6. The Lord passed in front of Moses, calling out, Yahweh, the Lord. That was his name. He says, I'm Yahweh, the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy. He starts describing his character. I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. See, it's passed down through the generations. I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. I forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin, but I do not excuse the guilt. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children and grandchildren. The entire family is infected, even children in the third and fourth generation. So there's consequences to our behavior when we're outside of Jesus, but he lavishes his unfailing love to a thousand generations, as if to say, listen, if the worst that you could do is three to four generations, my love and my faithfulness goes to a thousand generations. I love you, 3,000. Jesus is the perfect picture of faithfulness. This is Lamentations 3, verse 22 and 23. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness, his mercies begin afresh each morning. Another translation says, his mercies are new every morning. Every day that I wake up, he is defined by being consistent and faithful. Says, listen, it's a fresh start today. I'm wiping the slate clean. We're gonna, we're gonna go get it today. Second Thessalonians 3, verse 3, but the Lord is faithful. The Lord is faithful. So what does that mean? He's gonna strengthen you and guards you from the evil one. Hebrews 13, verse 5. I'm not finished. Don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have. For God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. You might feel abandoned by every person, every relationship. You might feel abandoned by every single person that you've come in contact with. Jesus says, I will never abandon you. I will never fail you. I am not going to let you down. 
That's just who he is. He's like, I would like to argue that record. And he says, I would like you to come near to me and I will show you. Hebrews 13, verse 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if he did it once, he can do it again. The reality is, today, I'm speaking to a room full of people who have hundreds and thousands of stories of the faithfulness of God. You've seen them show up. You've seen them come through. It might be big. It might be small. I don't know about you, but big ones are great. Sometimes the small ones are the most significant. Because in Psalm 37, it says that the Lord delights in every detail of our lives. Psalm 37, verse 24. So when he comes through on that really micro level, it's like, oh, he just doesn't like get the big stuff. He sees me. He gets me. He cares about the smallest thing. So if I was to create a statement about Jesus, I would simply say, I've seen too much not to believe. I've seen too much not to believe. And I acknowledge, I've got, a, I've, my, I've got a unique childhood. My grandparents had a healing ministry. So I spent a number of weekends catching people as they fall, dropping a few. <laughs> but it's a healing service, right? So they're all going to be all right. <laughs> you know, I, I got to be front row to watch miracles happen in real life. I've had the privilege of traveling to other nations and watching God do things that just doesn't make sense. I was on a ministry trip to Indonesia like five, six years ago. And in the middle of this gathering in Southeast Asia, God took a plastic piece of jewelry and he turned it into real gold. And you're like, I don't know about that. Yeah, I watched it happen. I stood this far away. And to us, we go, that's just vanity. Why would somebody need a piece of jewelry like that? Well, because they need to eat. And they had no other income. And so God took what was in their hand. He says, watch what I can do with what's in your hand. We went to the Ukraine. And there's a burn hospital beside where we were staying. And we packed in, you know, all these medical supplies and all this equipment. And it was counted, right? Customs. <laughs> and our team goes, and they, they were only supposed to just drop it off, and they had to go room by room by room by room by room. And they knew that they didn't have enough. But they just went room by room, and they gave them their, their, their uh, hospital gown. They gave them the little toy. And they, they're thinking, we're going to run out of stuff. You know what happened? They didn't run out. The bag didn't run out. You know what's even crazier? That when we were praying as a, as a team before we left, we prayed, just like Danny was sharing about today, the multiplying of the loads. We prayed that God would just multiply whatever resources we had. And when we were debriefing, we're like, we must have, we must have miscounted. Because isn't that just like us? To go, look what God did. I guess I made a mistake. The only mistake that we made in that moment was not giving God all the glory and the honor and praise. 
So I've just, I've just simply seen too much. I've seen too much for me to say, Jesus, I can't believe in you. No, no, no. And it's those small things that are interwoven together that keep piling up to the point where I go, God, I can just take the next step forward because I know that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. I know that you'll never leave me, that you'll never forsake me. I know that even when I screw up, your mercies are new every morning. I know that you are defined by unfailing love and faithfulness, so I'm just going to take the next step forward. And it doesn't matter if it's a big step or a small step, we're going to take that step forward. When we get a call for city serve, that seems like a big step forward. But it's like, you know what, God? I've got enough confidence that if you brought it here, that you're going to equip us to do it. And all of a sudden, we just take a step forward. It doesn't matter what season of life you're in. It doesn't matter what, what, what is happening in your life. All Jesus is asking you to do is just take that next step forward. But let us not forget that we must always be ready to explain this hope that we have. Because sometimes when you take the next step forward, it just doesn't make sense. But in that moment when it just doesn't make sense to you and it just doesn't make sense to everybody around you, all of a sudden you've got a perfect moment right there when someone says, why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? Let me explain the hope that I have in Jesus. Maybe that next step that you've been wrestling with. Maybe the next step that doesn't make a lot of sense isn't for you. Maybe it's for somebody else. But if you would just take that step and you would just take that step of faith and you go, God, I don't know why I'm doing this. You're doing this because somebody else needs you to see you take this step so they could be prompted to go, why are you taking this step? So you could always be ready to explain the hope that you have in Jesus. Maybe, imagine this, maybe this life is not all about you. Can we get really practical for a few minutes? You know, I've been experimenting with points. Sometimes there's too many, sometimes there's not enough. We all know that three is the perfect number of points because of the Trinity. But today, I've just got two. Because really, faithfulness was point one. Anyways, first point. Your story, okay, your testimony, what you share about your life when somebody asks about this hope you have, your story and your miracle changes the way someone else approaches Jesus. When you're wondering the value of you sharing, what you share changes the way somebody else approaches Jesus. I'm not going to go get all deep into it, but if you read Mark 5 and 6, you'll find the story of this woman with the issue of blood. What does she do? She moves through a crowd. Again, go, this is your homework. You can go read it this week. She pushes through a crowd to get to Jesus. That's significant for so many reasons. I don't have time. But she goes, you know what? I'm not worthy for him to pray for me. But if I could just reach out and grab hold of the hem of his garment, literally this, if I could grab this, then my life will be changed forever. I will be healed. That's all I need. He doesn't need to look at me. He doesn't need to talk to me. He doesn't need to pray for me. All I need is to be in the presence of Jesus and grab hold of the hem of his garment. And she does that and she's instantly healed. And Jesus said, wow, faith went for me. Where, where did that go? In that moment, it's shared in Scripture. Like, well, yes, of course, this, this, this changes our faith. It gives us a whole new context of how we understand Jesus. No, 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 no. It didn't just change our faith now, thousands of years later. In Mark chapter 6, verse 56, it changed the way everybody approached Jesus. Because word got out. Word got out. 
that all of a sudden, all you had to do was grab hold of the hem of his garment. Faith goes up because somebody heard her story. Somebody heard of this woman who was unworthy. And all of a sudden, they're like, wow, <laughs> me too. <laughs> How do, what do I do? So wherever Jesus went, in villages, cities, or the countryside, doesn't matter where, they brought the sick out to the marketplaces. Word was beginning to spread that Jesus heals. But listen to this. They begged him to let the sick touch at least the fringe of his robe, and all who touched him were healed. Her one step of faith, her one reach, her story changed the way hundreds and maybe thousands of people approached Jesus. Here's the flip. Your story, your reach, your miracle has the potential to change the way hundreds and thousands of people approach Jesus because they know you and they know what your life is like. They know how you live. They know who you are. And they go, wow, if it works for them, maybe, maybe it can work for me. Your story, your miracle changes the way someone else approaches Jesus. That's the first thing. Second thing. Your story makes an infinite and omnipresent God approachable. If you think about the concept of God, all-powerful, all-knowing, spoke the world into existence, didn't even have to try, just spoke it. And then if we understand that everyone has watched way too many Avengers movies, so they just look at these all-powerful beings is probably evil and twisted on some level. Now, what we know is that God is not evil and twisted. We know that he's full of unfailing love and faithfulness. Because somebody knows you, they see how you live. They see the hope that you have. Your journey, your story makes God approachable for them. Let's go to John chapter 20. John chapter 20, verse 24. We're going to talk about the most relatable individual in Scripture. Right here. Lock it in. The most relatable individual in Scripture. One of the 12 disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. So Jesus was resurrected. He showed up to the disciples. And they told him, we've seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands. Put my fingers into them, which is weird, and place my hand into the wound in his side as if to say, stop playing tricks on me. Stop saying, you guys were just caught up. You guys were delirious. You guys were in a locked room hiding out. They were literally in a locked room hiding out. Maybe you guys got into some of that miracle wine. I don't know what was going on with you. He says, no, unless he shows up, unless I can see his wounds. And so we've nicknamed him Doubting Thomas. I think he's relatable Thomas. Because all of us are like, listen, I've heard, but let me see. I've heard, but let me see. Eight days later, the disciples were together again. This time, Thomas was with them. 
The doors were locked. But suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. Jesus said that because they were all terrified because he showed up out of nowhere in a locked room. So pro tip, when you show up out of nowhere in a locked room, say, peace be with you. Calms the room down. Then he said to Thomas, he said to Thomas, put your finger here. Look at my hand. Put your hand in the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. 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 My Lord, my God, which is how Thomas said, OMG. Then Jesus told him, you believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. A little later in the same passage, John 20, verse 30, it says, The disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs in addition to the one recorded in this book. But these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. So to every person in this room that says, you say you've seen too much, give me eyes to see. I say, just get ready for what Jesus is gonna do because he's gonna show himself full of unfailing love and faithfulness because he can't help it because it's just who he is. It's his nature, it's his character. In the midst of your desperation, would you now surrender See, you, you've been carrying this thing where you've said, you have to figure it out. I'm just going to figure it out. I'm going to make it work. I'm going to figure it out. Stop trying to make it work and start trying to invite Jesus in. If I'm going to be on it, you can't make it work. There's so many things. There's so much brokenness. There's so much pain. You can't make it work. Jesus can he can bring healing, and he can bring hope, and he can bring life. A number of weeks ago, for those of you who've been around and were with us for the follower series, we talked about our two-minute miracle, right? This story that we can share with people about what Jesus has done in our life. That story is super important. It's super important that you know it, that you can understand it, that you can wrap your mind around it, you can just say it. Because as I look across this room, I actually look at this room and it's a room full of people who have seen too much, seen too much goodness, seen too much faithfulness, have seen God come through. The question is, are we ready to explain it? So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to share my two-minute miracle right here. Well, in our weekly email this week, which if you're not a part of it, you can scan the QR code in the seat. You can sign up right here, right now. We're gonna have an upload button and you can upload your two-minute miracle. You're like, why would I do that? I don't want anyone to see it. Well, your story changes the way somebody else can approach God. 
Your story, your miracle changes the way. When, when they hear what God has done for you, they say, man, if they did it for them, they can do it for me. Your story has the power to point people to Jesus and Jesus can change lives. So we're gonna upload it so we can start sharing these stories. We can share them in our services. We can share them at Easter. Like, I don't know that I wanna be on the screen. It's not about you. It's about what Jesus has done through you. So I want you to take your phone, turn it sideways. Levi will get mad if you don't. Turn it sideways. Film yourself. Spouses, film each other. My son, Everett, he's 10. He knows how to do it. If you don't know how to use it, just call a 10-year-old. They'll figure it out for you. You have two minutes. What do I share? What your life was like before Christ? What your life is like after meeting Christ? And what your life is like in Christ? Now, I've spent 30 minutes telling you about those things. Could I do it in two minutes or less? The answer is yes. The truth is I grew up in a Christian home. I grew up coming to church. I grew up not missing church. I grew up showing up to church all the time. Didn't matter. We got some clicking house. Doesn't matter. I grew up going to church on vacation. I grew up going to church Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. That was my life. And you go, oh, well, you lived a sheltered life. No, I lived a protected life. I live a life where my family protected me where they pointed me towards Jesus. I lived a life where I showed up on Saturday and Sunday afternoon and I watched people get healed moment by moment by moment by moment as people who I knew as grandma and grandpa prayed for them. I watched my parents selflessly love and serve anyone who was in need of help. I made a decision when I was three years old. I don't remember it. I was told about it to accept Jesus into my life. And since that moment, I always knew I was gonna be doing this. I knew since I was three that I was gonna be a pastor. I had a sense of purpose, I had a sense of calling, I had a sense of direction. I always knew, I fought it all the way along. I tried to do anything else. Generally tried to play music. Still led me right back here. While there's been many disappointments, many frustrations, many moments of personal heartbreak, there's been many mistakes that I've made along the way. Jesus has always been there. I have not known a life without him, which means I've always known and lived a life full of love, purpose, and direction. I had this sense of knowing that if I just trusted him, followed him, I would soon learn to live my life following him one step at a time. That's it. And as long as I keep following him, he keeps showing up. The more I trust him, the more he shows up. Doesn't mean things are perfect. But I'm being perfected in the process. I might look more and more like Jesus. Hey, thanks for joining us today. If you have any questions or are looking to get connected in any further way, head to saintschurch.ca and we would love to meet you.